Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, Pastor Jim will walk us through the fourth chapter of Mark, verses 21 through 29. Jesus was teaching in parables by this time. And in this passage, we will hear more of those, along with some metaphors. In seeming rapid fire from the pen of Mark, Jesus talks about a lamp, listening, measuring, giving more to those who already have, and a man casting seed. What does this all mean? You'll understand it all and how it all ties together by the time you finish this message with us this week. Here is today's part of the message entitled, Lighting, Listening, Waiting. It's our joy this morning to return to the Gospel of Mark, where we are in chapter 4. And this morning, our target pericope is chapter 4, verses 21 through 29. I want you never to forget that the three most, princip- most important principles for interpreting the Bible are historical context, grammatical context, and don't forget the context. Those three things will keep you in very good stead in interpreting the Bible. And so, as we come to the text this morning, it's one of those that practically interprets itself when you see it in its context. But it's some of the parables of Jesus, and parables have a way of sneaking out of their context and getting quoted without a reference to where they belong. So, I want you to zoom in on where it fits. If you've ever used uh, Google Earth. It's a program on your computer and it starts out with a picture of the planet. And you can say, I want to look at this address. And so you can pick 7071 West Emerald Street, Boise, Idaho, 83704 to see what Heritage Bible Church looks like. And, and you start zooming into the planet and the planet rotates around to bring up North America. And then, you, and then you zoom in on the continental United States and then it zooms in on Idaho and then it zooms in on Ada County and then it zooms in on Boise. And you can get right down to street level and looking at it. So let's zoom in on the context of our passage for today. All right, it takes place in the Milky Way galaxy. Within the galaxy, I want you to focus in on the solar system with our star, the sun, at its center. Among the planets orbiting the sun, focus on the third one from the center. It's called Earth. On Earth, look to the northern hemisphere. Then I want you to look to the east of the Atlantic Ocean, and then I I want you to follow a line through the the Strait of Gibraltar into the Mediterranean Sea and up and over the crown of the continent of Africa and then east and slightly south to the land that we call Israel. Once you've reached landfall, you'll be probably around the area that is now known as the port city of Haifa. And from there, I want you to travel about 50 miles further east until you reach Uh, the northwestern beach of the lake called Tiberias. 
It's better known to you from Bible reading as the Sea of Galilee. The area to the north and the west of this ancient fishing and trade town called Capernaum on the northwestern tip of the Sea of Galilee, that whole area is called the region of Galilee. Well, beginning in the last half of his first year of public ministry, Jesus Christ spent almost all his time in Galilee preaching and doing miracles for uh, over a year and a half. That period of time is known as the Great Galilean Ministry. Only a few times during that period did Jesus leave Galilee to visit Jerusalem for certain feasts. Now, wherever he went, there was quite a stir. Huge crowds, be it in Galilee or in Jerusalem, they they came to hear what Jesus said and to see the miracles. People brought suffering loved ones, sometimes miles, in hopes that Jesus would heal, and he never disappointed. Many were delivered during that time from demon possession because wherever he went, when they were in the presence of the Holy One of God, the demons would panic and come out of hiding, and he would send them packing. But along with Jesus' unprecedented popularity, there flowed two tragic undercurrents. One undercurrent was the lack of faith of most people. Despite the overwhelming evidence that Jesus is the Messiah that was promised by the Old Testament, most people seemed impervious to it. Oh, they loved the miracles. And they couldn't seem to stay away when He taught them. They they found His words compelling But when Jesus called them to repent from their sins and to trust in Him rather than trusting in themselves that they could be righteous, when He called them to full commitment, most of them drifted away. That was sad. Even Jesus' own family, with the exception of His mother, did not believe in Him until after the resurrection. They even wanted to lock him up or send him where they knew that people wanted to arrest him and murder him. So there was that horrible undercurrent of unbelief. The other undercurrent during that time was the growing plot to get rid of Jesus. The two most influential groups among the Jews were known as the Pharisees and the Sadducees, two powerful parties within Judaism. The Pharisees and Sadducees disagreed with each other on, well, almost everything. The Sadducees were generally wealthy and aristocratic. They rejected most of the Old Testament. Now, that's interesting if you're a leader of the Jews, but they rejected most of the Old Testament, hanging on only to the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch or the Torah, the books of Moses, but they allegorized away most of the actual meaning even of those books. The Sadducees controlled the the priesthood and the things that went on in the temple in Jerusalem. That was their stranglehold that they held. The Pharisees were the highly influential teachers of religion. They controlled what was taught week in and week out in the synagogues throughout Israel. 
Now, they not only accepted all 22 books of the Old Testament. Yeah, we chop them up and count them differently and make it into 39, but it's the same amount. Well, they added, in addition to those books of the Bible, they added thousands of rules, all kinds of do's and don'ts and, and, and rituals and things, and they, they imposed them on the people. I can give you a, a one-verse snapshot of each of these two groups. Luke describes the Pharisees this way in Luke chapter 18, verse 9. He's going to tell a parable, so that's kind of in the genre of what we're doing today. But it says, he told this parable, and we're not going to talk about that parable, but here's how he describes the Pharisees. He told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. That was the Pharisees. Look how righteous we are. And they look down their noses at everybody else. Over in Acts, also Luke, throws in this description of the Sadducees. Acts 23, 8. And again, we don't have to pay attention to what's going on there, but just capture this description of the Pharisees. Of the Sadducees, rather. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection nor an angel, nor a spirit. But the Pharisees acknowledged them all. In other words, so the the, the Sadducees denied resurrection, so no such thing as eternal life. Can't be. Denied angels, denied spirits. No such thing as supernatural. It was a a man-made aristocratic religiosity that was the Sadducees. Now, if you have trouble keeping those straight, Remember that the Sadducees don't believe in resurrection. That's why they're sad, you see. You'll never forget it again, no matter how ridiculous that sounds to you. Now, the Pharisees and the Sadducees hated and resented each other. But they maintained a, a kind of a peaceful coexistence, sort of a religious cold war where they didn't destroy each other. They did it in order to get along They did it in order to maintain their respective spheres of influence and to avoid getting in trouble with the Roman government. Because that would have been bad for all of them if Rome decided to steamroll them. But there was one thing at one point in history upon which the Pharisees and the Sadducees cooperated fully. It was their joint hatred of Jesus that led them to work together to try to get rid of him. And they actually didn't care who cooperated in the plan as long as they did. There was also the group of the Herodians. They'd take anybody into that party as long as they agreed that Jesus had to be killed. Now, the Sadducees hated Jesus because he was a threat to their wealth and their status and their influence. When he twice entered the temple and drove out the ones who were there profiteering at the expense of worshipers who came for the various feasts, that was a sharp poke in the eyes of the system of the Sadducees because they're the ones that granted the franchises to the people who did the merchandising in the outer court of the temple. Well, the Pharisees hated Jesus. Because he was also a threat to their sphere of influence. He was a threat to their grip on the spiritual lives of the Jews throughout all of Israel. The Pharisees delighted in binding heavy spiritual burdens of 
works righteousness on the people. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.